At four o'clock, the sun illuminated Caitlin's face before it disappeared over the riverbank. Bitter chills scrunched her and caught her between the ears. A crow bellowed from the air, hanging above, arrogantly eyeballing her. Above everything in the sky, a black outline of a wolf's chiselled head was crafted from the shape of geese in flight. Its elongated nose was heading to warmer worlds. Its eye socket formed from the timid gangly birds unable to accept taking the lead. Temperatures were on the slow descent in England. Hats were too stuffy in the morning, but dusk too cold without them. People were in liminality, contorted into autumnal shapes, with claggy leaves dragged into gutters and drain pipes, on the tops of parked cars, and soaking into the poorly made leather shoes of children who couldn't resist kicking them. She closed her eyes and absorbed the texture of the sun's beams. It wasn't warming, but it purified her eyelids. She was leaning into a damp fence, her weight making it sag where it led to a gate that led to a patch unoriginally called the Woodland Park. There were perhaps a hundred trees at various stages of life, rhythmically dotted into a huge oval shape in a middle patch of grass, and then a similar number in the outer circumference opposite each tree. She would go towards it, soon. She slowed her breathing, and took six seconds in the nose, and ate out of the mouth. Her diaphragm became huge. The geese departed to the next postcode, and soon onto the next time zone, leaving fragments of other noises, such as the fuzz of a fence substation half a mile from the field. Less arrogant birds than the crow, gathered up dinner and began to turn in. Her eyes opened and fixed on his tree. Then her wellies drew her towards it like a monorail. It was still young for a red oak, but it had buried itself into the soil. Leaves formed a moat on her approach and she stopped to let the first ones crunch under her boots. She picked a handful They smell of bark and must, of damp and a faint trace of mildew. Each leaf had fallen at a different moment and none of them showed a consistent age of demise. Some were still tinged with green, some spattered with brown edges, black spots, red and flush shine and some dishevelled and nearly grey. She slid through the leaves on her approach. And then under the canopy, she let the piercing dagger of the sunlight fall behind the dense branches until she was at the base of the trunk. Then she stopped. She was with her little brother again now. She'd been so excited. Last year she'd been here in the rain, but this time it was clear. Sirius A, the dog star, was awakening to the south, divorced from Orion and perched alongside a folded moon. Hello, she whispered. She felt a knot in her throat, caught her next breath and swallowed, and then drew two quick breaths, the sound of her voice talking to him 
nearly made her break. The tree bark was mottled and layered into harsh textures and looked like tiny Easter Island heads, row upon row of jutting flakes of skin. She drew her fingertips down the trunk and looked up at the underside of the redness in the branches. It was like the lid of a crab. Fire in the leaves. Violent amber and scarlet shaped with more precision and sharpness than regular oaks. The central belt of the leaf was blackened greens. And then from it was the rosaceous scarring of orange. And then red triangular tips to form a bloody point on each of the eight spheres and then finally to the proud ninth spear at the tip. He was here with her now, and they were children again. I've had a really lovely year, haven't I? She whispered, scooping up some more fallen leaves and grinding them into her hands, becoming dirty from the decaying foliage. Caitlin felt her arms loosen and dragged towards the ground. Her feet were rooted and warming in two pairs of socks. She drew breath in a reduced, giddy state. She bent to the ground and twisted herself to sit, then dragged back to lean on the trunk for back support. Some went to sea. Some took to the sky. Some floated in a warm lake. Caitlin burrowed. Her mind shuffled and dragged into the earth to enter a state of nothingness. She imagined the gritty soil in her nails and the cold chill of gravel and earth on her cheeks. The dampness cooled her, relaxed her, mummified her. She was being blanketed. Deeper into the ground she went, directly into the darkness, into the abyss of blankness. But nothing could harm her. Only the worms were company slime of the worms. Her breathing was so slow she might never again regain the normal rhythm. Her heart paused to breathe. She was a gust of wind, stretched over miles of undergrowth and dirt, covered in the underground residue, where bones lay with broken pots and mildewed roots, where years of life still lived, albeit away from the lights and the clamour. used to share the same birthday cake, as well as bunk beds. Two different colours, split down the middle with the same amount of candles on both sides. Even when he'd gone, they kept it up for a few years. One year, pink and blue had seeped together and created a new shade of green. And William had said it had been the best cake in the whole wide world ever. She never liked the candles being blown out, so he would leave them for her, and they would let them burn all the way down to those plastic holders. The crushed leaves in her hands now dusted into the exposed soil around the base of the trunk. Then she massaged them into the ground, squishing at the damp soil to draw the flakes of brown and orange into the earth. she mumbled to the worms and to the slugs and the snails and all the other insects keep him alive for me <laughs> <laughs>